Parenting is hard. Few of us feel up to the task. The world is shifting, quickly and dramatically. All of us feel the changes affecting our families. The stress and pressure can be intense. We are here to help sort the good and the bad, provide insight and bring hope. Welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. We're so glad you stopped by. Hi, I'm Pastor Brad Mathias, and I want to welcome you to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. Don't be laughing. I'm laughing. I haven't, I haven't done anything yet. You did that on the exhale, so you, like, yeah, never mind. Anyway, I'm Robert, and we're so glad that you're joining us today. Um, Brad? You know, you criticize me all the time. It's not a criticism. It hurts. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think that you would know me better by now and know that that's just part of my that's love, love language. love language? Yeah. yeah, to beat on people? Yeah. I understand. Well, you know, Robert, you and I have been doing uh, things like this for over a decade. Mm -hmm. And uh, as fathers and now grandfathers, we've had uh, a variety of experiences. This is true. I mean, between us, we cover like almost the A to Z of parenting. Pretty much, right? yeah. You're the expert single parent, now blended family. I'm the dad who was AWOL and then got saved and God redeemed our marriage and, and home. So between us, very few things that come across sort of the airwaves can surprise us. For better or worse. For better or worse, we've, we've probably had that experience. But one of the things I wanted to focus on for this particular season of podcasting is the positives, right? Mm. The things that are happening out there. Because there's plenty to point out yeah, that's negative. You can turn on the TV any night of the week and get plenty of panic, right? Yes. So I wanted to sort of highlight some positives. And I did a little research. And did you know the families still eat dinner together? Like it's a Just big in deal. General. I actually have read that recently, mm -hmm. that it's kind of a thing. It's becoming more, you know, I mean, as it, here, here's the qualifier. I do believe that they're eating dinner at the same table together. I don't know if I believe that they all have their smartphones put down. Like, because I, I think that that's a... You know, the cynic in you keeps raising I'm, his ugly head. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm happy they're at least geographically in the same Well, according space. to Gallup, 50% of families that have children under 18 eat together at least six nights a week. 50% eat 50%, together? according to Gallup. You think those are parents sort of fudging the facts a little? I think this might be from 1969. It says 2013. I'm, I will put the source and the link up on the website. That's is, crazy, actually. But that's it makes me feel incredibly guilty because I'm not <laughs> one of those people. Well, well. I mean, hmm. we do a good job of eating together for the most part and, you know, try to make that a priority. But it's, it's certainly <laughs> not six nights a week. I was thinking that myself. I'm like, wow, my kids are grown and left, and I don't think we ever hit six times a week. But yeah. I think we might have done four. Yeah. Like, yeah. Pretty consistently. And if you count, you know, pizza out as a dinner together, then maybe. You know what? I bet that's why. I bet that's why. It's that, like the Pizza Hut factor. It's okay. the going out to eat, less people mm -hmm. cooking at home. Okay. All Sorry, right. We need to move again. on. So, you know, as we go through these uh, episodes, talk with different families, parents, pastors, folks out there who are trying to raise kids in a hostile culture, uh, we come across books, resources, stories, ministries that uh, really meet or reach out to unique situations. And uh, today's guest is one of those families that really has a story to tell mm -hmm. and a really cool book that I want to make sure all of our audience hears about and understands the story behind it. I want to welcome Stacy Gagnon to our podcast. Welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me. Stacy, 
Uh, we know that we've read your sort of press materials and sort of have an idea about where you're coming from, what you've been through. I have a lot of really interesting questions I want to ask you, but for our audience, if you could give us just the one minute cliff notes, why did you write a book called Cowboy Joel in the Wild Wild West? Um, basically about a year and a half, two years ago, I had written a, a Facebook um, post that went viral. And um, it was all about my son, Joel, and um, who was born with a cranial facial defect. So basically a deformity. Um, so he basically, he looks different. And um, we had gone to a new church. Um, and when we walked into the children's um, ministry section for children's church, um, every child in the whole room turned around, started whispering, started staring. Mm. And so the post that I wrote was, was about parents teaching their children to be intentional in being kind and that children have differences. Um, we ended up um, going on the Megyn Kelly show, um, Fox 10 and some other news outlets. And I remember um, a comment someone made about, um, I mean, basically like, have, have you written a book or what, what's your I mean, advice beyond just what you're saying? And so we decided as a family to put a book out there that that would would help teach kids about being intentional in in being kind, but also understanding that that there are bullies out there. But the biggest bully that we are will ever ever um, meet is the bully inside of us, the person inside of us telling us we're not good enough, or we're not smart enough, or skinny enough, or athletic enough. And so that was why we ended up writing the book. Was I felt like it was um, a healing thing for my kids. Um, but also, you know, I guess you, someone threw down the gauntlet of doing something and said, so we said, yeah, let's do this. Hmm. That's fascinating. So how does that work? Writing a book as a family? <laughs> well, um, you know, the, the majority of the book came from my husband and I who, um, have taught in schools. Okay. Um, my children had input in, in some of the language and some of the jokes that you see. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also in helping the illustrator, they, they wanted a mouse hidden on every page, or they huh. we would ask input on different things like, oh, what should we have um, the illustrator draw here? Because we felt like if it was driven by kids, then kids would visually want to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. I, I as I was reading through some of the background on your book, um, there's, there was sort of a stinging response that someone had to your viral post that I thought on face value, it just seemed rude, but then you sort of responded to it in, in the positive and the, just quoting it, it says the reader told you that your son would be stared at and pointed at, and he needed to get used to it. Yeah. It's funny. I didn't really want to start out with that on your podcast, but that, <laughs> that was, I, I remember, um, and more than one person has said that to me out of, out of love. <laughs> right. Um, and I, I remember it being really angry about that. But then I, I really feel like when we're really angry, there's always a kernel in tr of truth. Because when we're angry, it's touching something that we're fearful of. And I'm afraid for my son to be pointed at, stared at, and ridiculed because he looks different. And I realized that as a parent, I needed to go one step farther with him and teaching him to find his worth and his value in his relationship with the Lord and not by what the world is saying. And that, like I had mentioned, that that inner voice telling him you're not good enough, that, that's the bully he needs to defeat. So 
yes, I mean, I remember that specifically and being really angry at first, but then recognizing there is a kernel of truth in that statement. Hmm. Yeah, as I'm, as I'm thinking, um, you have been involved in foster care and adoptive care for children for how many years? How long have you guys been active with this? Well, I am, um, let's see, I, it would be about 13 years now. Okay. And how many kids are you currently, do you currently have in your family? Seven. Seven um, kids. And I'm, I'm hiding in the closet to do this interview, so. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Wow. I, you know, I raised three children. We had two uh, foster boys, uh, teenage boys uh, during that time. So I have a little bit of a taste of kind of the, the sort of integration and, and, and mixing of cultures, even uh, of family as you put different kids together. We had an autistic young man that was in our family for several years. And in fact, I had dinner with him last night. Um, there are a tremendous number of stresses that are happening at any time in any family. And I liked the way you approached uh, the, the understanding that every child really is a special needs child. It doesn't matter if, if there's a physical problem or a mental challenge or whatever, you know, as parents, if, if we can just understand that each of our children um, have their own special needs, uh, it really helped you at some point transitioning with what, what you've experienced as a parent. Tell us more about that quote. You know, uh, especially my kids with, with um, a trauma background, um, we have we have five adopted children that have special needs, but I will tell you that their biggest disability is not spina bifida, it's not limb difference, golden heart syndrome, feeding tube, those things. Their their biggest thing that that hurts them and is hard for them to overcome is the trauma that they've experienced in abandonment and shame and those things. Mm. And so, uh, you know, when we teach, that's a lot of what we talk about. You know, is is that the greatest human fear is abandonment. And so helping my kids navigate life and even, even my children that are biologically my kids, you know, their greatest need is to find, find the Lord. Their greatest need is to have a relationship with Christ aside from me as a parent. And understanding that each of my kids will come to that place in a different way, is, and that's my prayer, is they each come to that place. It's gonna be different than your kids or your producer's kids or anyone in your congregation or any other parent, And so recognizing that we are all fearfully and wonderfully made and all different in some ways, I think that's how I approach parenting is understanding that each of my kids have different needs that need to be met. Hmm. Yeah, one of the things that you said uh, is that foster kids or adoptive kids are not placed in, in, in families to meet the family's need, they actually need to be a part of a family. You need to actually build the family around them. And I don't remember exactly how you quoted that, but I thought that was a really important distinction because a lot of, uh, a lot of Westerners or Americans in particular, we can be consumer driven. So we're sort right. of like, we, we have a lack. So we're looking for something to fill that void. And you're really flipping the coin on that a little bit and saying, hey, let's think about this differently if we're going to adopt kids. Tell us more about that. 
what some of the statements that I've made that I that a lot of people, especially in the adoption foster world, don't like to hear is that we are not the the first choice for our children. God intended for children to be raised by their mother and their father biologically. Hmm. They are in the womb and they understand and they know their mother because God knit them in her inmost being. And so even if I receive a newborn fresh from the womb and adopt them, it is still, there's still abandonment and there's still brokenness in that. And so a lot of what I feel like needs to be understood in adoption and foster care is that my family needs to mold around the child. The child was not meant to put, to finish a piece off for me. Hmm. The child can't be my, my need to be fulfilled. And so the most successful adoptions that I see are when we recognize that adoption started from a brokenness and there's grief in that. There's mm. deep grief in that. And coming along and molding around the child to start meeting their needs and start healing what began is something very broken. So I'm not the first choice, or the, but I'm the best option. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 really well put, and I and I get why people would have. They don't want to hear that, but I I, I think you're exactly right. I I have a question coming from, you know, there's a lot of marriages that break up because of um, I'm not gonna say because of special needs, but be, because in their life, they're they're the challenge of raising um, kids that have special needs can wreak some havoc between on the relationship between. I mean, statistically speaking, so. Right you guys have taken on a heroic um, approach and bringing so, so much, like accepting that, that responsibility of parenting special needs kids. How do you and your husband keep a, a dynamic internally that, that, that is constructive? And I mean, obviously you have figured something out between you and your husband that, you know, I'm sure there are challenges. But what would you say is kind of the secret sauce to you guys being able to to do this together so successfully? We always say that whoever leaves gets all the kids. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, that. That's effective. Um, yeah. Now, wow. You know, <laughs> I will tell you that for both of us, like communication is everything. We spend a lot of time talking and spending time together I, I did marry my best friend and so our kids come second to our marriage hmm. because we cannot regulate our children who are dysregulated if we are not regulated ourselves especially as a couple and so when things are when we're struggling or something together we understand that we had that time have to, you know, in the airplane, when you get the, the mask, yeah. we need to put the mask on ourselves before we're dealing with our kids. And, and that's so true for our marriage. So we really, really try and make sure we're carving out time every single day to sit and talk together after he gets off work. Um, we go for walks. We try and go out for ice cream or do those things because the strength of our marriage directly cascade effects the, the strength of our children. Hmm. That is excellent. That is a very important reminder for all of us, Stacey. Thank you for, for reminding me of that. 
as I'm uh, listening to this and thinking about it, you guys have really uh, made your lives a living sacrifice. Like it talks about in Romans 12, that you are fulfilling or stepping forward to serve and to be served and to become then the body of Christ to these special needs children. But you guys didn't just stop with your own immediate circle of influence. You know, there's only so many kids you can personally adopt or foster. You guys went further than that. And in particular, in Eastern Europe, you started a ministry called Lost Sparrows. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I, I wish I could tell you that it wasn't kicking and screaming. <laughs> hmm. Um I will tell you that um, all of our adoptions and then even Lost Sparrows has very much been God orchestrating and almost pushing us off the ledge a little. Um, I had mentioned that we moved to Indiana. I will tell you that God told us to move and we moved here without jobs, with two mortgages <laughs> and something that people have said is financially irresponsible and we have watched God step in and fulfill every single thing. Because we knew he was asking us to lower the cost of living so I could stay home and run Los Barrows. So Los Barrows um, was born out of the, um, the understanding that we wanted to support family in Eastern Europe, um, not support orphanages. And so we worked some within the orphanages, Los Barrows in helping deinstitutionalize safely children but the majority of what we do is training and equipping foster families and families in helping keep kids out of the orphanage in the first place. Wow. And so last year, um, I trained in Russia, Bosnia, and Bulgaria. Um, and it, it's been incredible because it's just exploding and the need and, and the opportunities have been amazing. And so, that's how Lost Barrels was born. Is just like I was being asked to do some things, and I would do it in my spare time. And and then it was God basically saying, "Okay, this this is bigger than this. Do you trust me? I need you to leap again." And so this is where we're at. <laughs> wow, I, I understand. I just moved to Maine uh, with my wife after living in Tennessee for twenty years to to plant churches without without work. So. God does seem to challenge us, doesn't he? To push us beyond our really confidence or comfort and into some things that are really um, unknown. One of the things that you uh, put in your media kit is this idea of clarifying the misconception that people have about children being able to just bounce back from trauma or injuries psychological or physical that they've received in early childhood. Talk to us about that. Cause I know Lost Sparrows really focuses on that. So the majority of our training and even what I do um, day to day in, in training is talking about the neuroscience behind trauma and the understanding that when children do not have needs met on a consistent basis by one caregiver, then what we see is an altered brain. And we see a brain that wants to live in what we call the survival or reptilian brain because it's learned that it has to meet its own needs and it has to survive in the environment. And so we see this play out in schools 
and in homes with foster children or children that have been neglected or have abuse in their home because they're the behavior problems. They're the children that a lot of times we're diagnosing with ADHD. They're the kids that we have go, that we're going, wow, I cannot figure out why is this kid not calming down or hmm. why isn't he using his brain? What we understand is that this child literally, the, the brain has been hijacked by stress and they can't use their brain. And so what we teach and what we train is number one, let's prevent this from happening. Let's put children into a foster home at birth instead of into an orphanage for two years to be adopted out. Let's look at how our practices in foster care with children bouncing from home to home are causing more and more damage. Let's look at how we respond to these children in the classroom with rewards and punishments and not understanding that's actually driving them farther away from relationship. And so that's a lot of what hmm. we train and teach is helping to understand the neuroscience behind the brain and how we need to meet the needs of the children with safety and structure and predictability in order for them to access and grow their thinking brain or their upper level floors. Hmm. You know, that's fascinating. I know a couple of years ago, there was a sensational news story about families adopting uh, Russian uh, kids who had trauma and they sent right. them back and it really offended the Russian really culture and, and nation at that time. And it just sort of highlighted that there are people who are adopting kids who have no idea what they're getting into. And they sort of have no understanding of, of the needs that they're really going to have to try and meet as a family. What advice would you give someone who's really feeling led uh, to adopt children, but really doesn't, they really don't know where to start? Where would you recommend they start? I, I think the biggest thing is first, you're going to start with the premise that love does not fix everything. Mm. Love cannot fix everything. Now, his love, Christ's love can heal, but there are children that will not heal this side of heaven. Hmm. And that's really hard for us to wrap our heads around. I am messaged every week by children, by parents that, that are completely desperate, that have jumped in the trenches way over what their abilities are. And it's really talking, like my first recommendation is talk to the people in your area who are fostering or adopting. Tell them you want to hear the real deal. Tell them you want to hear what the hardest things are for them. Okay, And build a community around you. Then I recommend reading The Connected Child by Karen Purvis and also The Body Keeps Score by Vander Kolk. Both of those, one is, a, Karen Purvis is really great and very basic in just really understanding and explaining the brain. Vander Kolk is more heavy science, um, but it truly, truly helps you understand the, the science behind what is going on in the brain of this child so that you can actually help and reach them. Hmm. I don't ever feel it's hopeless. I just feel like you have to go into this understanding. It's going to probably be the hardest thing you've ever done. Hmm. And defining and your expectations will help you be more successful at yep. making progress, I would think. Yep. And you can't do this alone. Mm -hmm. You cannot do this alone. And at yeah. the end of the day, when I'm dealing with the most dysregulated kids, I'm looking to the parent because you're the one regulating that child. So you also need to be dealing with all your own traumas because you talk about, when we talk about adoption and the, the scarier or the harder the child's behaviors are, 
the more they're going to trigger the deepest, darkest stuff you have. Mm. That's why it's so imperative that you are really, really regulated and stable where you're at and really into the word and firm on your foundation because they're going to rock you. <laughs> and when you are, when you're flapping in the wind, they're flapping harder. So it's, you know, all those things. And that that's how you build a village around you. That's going to help you be firm and see truth in what's happening. Because if not, you're alone and it's just, it, it's a snowball. Mm. Man, that was a mouthful. Yeah, that's um, powerful. As a pastor. Sorry, and I unpacked a lot there. Yeah, that's fantastic. Did. And I, as a pastor, I've seen it. I've been on the side where the parents have, have done something heroic. They've right. stepped out. They've adopted uh, children or, or brought in foster kids. And it has wrecked their family. And they're they're questioning God. They're they're saying, right. "Well, I did this for God, and and He, you know, these yeah. terrible things have happened in my home. You know, was I crazy? Did I, you know, what? So really, these issues are are sort of become then cracks in their faith, often in the marriage itself. So I really appreciate you not only having the courage to say that, but then also to offer a place for people to go who need help with that. I, I will say this, and this is something I will tell you I've been learning in the last month. We live in a culture where we want the American dream. And Christ called us to pick up the cross. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy to pick up a cross that I pick out. <laughs> it's not so easy when Christ, when Christ gives you the cross because he's pruning away not just the dead things, but the living things in us that need pruned. And when we're pruning living things, it's painful. And so it's simple when a child comes in your home and it's awful and you're looking at that kid and it's like, oh my gosh, that's a child. When the reality is, is you got to look at yourself first and figure out where am I dysregulated? Where do I need to get to a place where I am needing pruned and I need to let God take that because at the end of the day, my job is to love my kid and show up every day. It's not my job to rescue my kid. God's job is the rescuer, not my Mm. job. So well said and so hard to accept, but you're exactly right. That at the end of the day, we're responsible for what's right in front of us, not the, the ultimate outcome of our kids. I mean, that, that is beyond us. And, um, and we have a father that will relentlessly pursue our kids. We just need to take the step right in front of us, right? And the more desperate you are as a parent, I think that's a good place to be. When hmm. I'm desperate as a parent and I can't do it and I am really recognizing how far I am over my head is when I turn to God and say, I can't do this. Yeah, I can't do this. And it's pretty amazing because God steps in and wow. <laughs> I should have done that a long time ago. Yeah. 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 It's always the last resort when it should be the first step, right? Well, we are out of time. Producers giving me the sign. Uh, how would people get a hold of you? How could they reach you? Do you have a website that they could find? So I have a blog called Ransom for Israel. Um, it's on ransomforisrael.com. Um, and then also I'm, I'm on Facebook. Um, I write a lot and I post a lot under Stacy Jackson Gagnon, G-A-G-N-O-N. Um, and, I, 
And then also Los Barrios. We are gearing up to um, head back to Eastern Europe. Um, I'll be back in January and then also again in the spring. You know, and we always can use prayer and support. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for being a guest today on uh, Brilliantly Brave Parenting. And we, uh, we want to thank you for sharing your story with us and inspiring and just a tremendous number of parents to follow well in your footsteps. Robert, do you have anything? No, I'm just so grateful. Very practical advice and very, you know, I, I love your boldness and your frankness in, in dealing with these things. Because a lot of times when we talk about special needs and fostering, you know, we do step so gingerly. And there are reasons that, that to do that, that you would fear, that you want, you want to kind of control outcomes. But I love the spirit that you approach this with and just you know, call them things for what they are and just have so much admiration and respect for you. So thank you for taking time today. Thank you both. And God bless. God bless. Brad, you know I'm a foodie, right? Absolutely. Okay, I want to tell you about this awesome coffee experience. It's called CJ's Coffee Culture and Community. It is a faith-run coffee culture. And the thing that's really cool about this is that they roast their own beans, they have delicious coffees, and they, they have two brick and mortar, so two coffee bars, as well as a virtual location at cjscoffeecafe.com. Here's the cool thing. They ship their beans, they ship their coffee anywhere in the world, so you don't just have to be in Texas to enjoy it. CJ's Coffee Culture and Community. Awesome. Well, you don't get more direct than that. Amazing. She got right to it. Right to it. No nonsense. Very frank. And I, I it's so refreshing because like, like I said, you know, it's, we tiptoe around this so much and, and because there's such a need for, for people to foster care in our country right now, I mean, it's a big issue. In Tennessee, our church has been involved in a big initiative to try to get people to sign up because there's just not a lot of people willing to do it, you know? And a lot of times people approach it from this, like, oh, it's going to be great. You get a chance to this. And, and it is. It's rewarding and it's beautiful. But I love the fact that she's, she's telling you this is going to be rewarding and it's going to be beautiful, but it's going to be so freaking hard. Yeah. I, I mean, because and the idea of taking up your cross, not the cross that you choose, but the cross that, that's given to you. I mean, it's just count the cost, you know, I, I yeah. love that was I am seriously so inspired by her. Well, you know, I was writing down like crazy all these quotes because she was just going. And uh, it was clear to me that she's really lived it. Oh, yeah. You know, this isn't theory. It's not just, you know, a whim. Mm -hmm. like some people are just like impulsive, like, I'm going to do something. You can you tell know? when it's authentic because it's yeah. like everything about her, it's just one click below the surface. You can tell at any given moment if you gave her like, talk about this, she could just go on it because it's like she's, it's in her, she's living it right now. She said something really powerful and uh, something that I recognize to be true, whether you've adopted kids or not. I mean, if you have kids, yeah, she said this, she said, the scarier and harder your kids are, the more they trigger the, the wounds in you, mm. the issues that are unresolved in you. And unless you're grounded and stable and in a community of faith and, and in the word of God regularly, you risk sort of re-injuring yourself. Yeah, that's so true. And I, I have seen that. I've seen that in my own home, and I've seen that in my own life, and I've seen it in lots and lots of parishioners that I've been a pastor to, mm -hmm. that when your kids really get out there and really push your buttons, 
you've got to be stable. Yeah. You've got to have something more than just an emotional reserve. Right. Um, and you've got to realize that the outcome is not yours to worry about. Like the more we get triggered, the more it's like we want it. I, I'll just speak from my personal experience. I want to get in there and fix and adapt and whatever. And there's only so much you can do. And then there's, there's the part that our kids need to figure some of this stuff out between them and God. And it's, you know, yeah, she said at the very end there, God's job is to rescue our kids, not mm. ours. Yeah. And uh, I've heard that said many different ways, but in this context, mm. it's just seemed more powerful to me that she's lived it, she's yeah. learning it, she's she's written a book about it that has multiple layers. She's mm. not only talking about the bullies her kids experience at church or at school, but she's talking about the bully inside. The bully inside. <laughs> yeah. There's so many facets of <laughs> yeah. what she's talking about. And equipping homes so that it doesn't... You don't yeah. deal with orphanages. I mean, it's what a fantastic interview. Highly recommend, folks, if you're listening, to write down her name, go check out her website, get her resources. If you know somebody that's fostering or thinking about fostering, introduce them to to this fantastic yeah, so ministry. Once again, we've been speaking with Stacy Gagnon. She's the co-author of Cowboy Joel and the Wild Wild West, and we'll have uh, links on our website. Uh, to her book and to her ministry, Lost Sparrows, and to her Facebook page, ways you can get in contact with her. It sounds like she is an extraordinary resource for mm -hmm. people who are in the thick of it. Yeah, it's great. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you think about it, and if you don't think about it, please do think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Go to whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. Uh, drop us some comments and give us as many stars as you possibly Five. can. Five would be good. Five would be awesome. Yeah. Um, but know that we really appreciate you, and we uh, would love to hear from you. So uh, reach out to us. Let us know what you want us to talk about, and uh, we will definitely pursue it. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in this week. We'll be right here, same station, same channel, next week. See you then. Bye-bye. Be encouraged, parents, you are not alone. In Paul's letter to his son in the faith, Timothy, he writes, But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Brilliantly Brave Parenting wants to be an encouragement and support that parents can rely on. Would you consider liking us and sharing us with a friend? As a part of the Tween Gospel Alliance, we are a nonprofit organization dependent on the support of friends like you. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be right here next week. Hey, Robert, we've got some new stuff in the web store. Tell me about it, Brad. It's our very own swag. Really? Absolutely. Brilliantly Brave now has its own line of caps, cups, clothing. Yeah, everything, Mugs. man. We got swag. Dog sweaters? Uh, I don't know about the dog sweaters yet, but we can work on it. Okay. So if you're a fan and you've been listening to Brilliantly Brave and you want to share it with your friends, let them know that you're a supporter. Hey, come to our website, ishinelive.com and find out more. We are excited to announce the Storms of Life study, Living Beyond Stressed Out and Overwhelmed. It's a great subtitle, Living Beyond Stressed Out and Overwhelmed. 
Yeah, I mean, at this point, we know that students are stressed. And for parents and pastors, it's important to know what are the top three things that are really on the minds of our kids. So Brad, walk us through what they can expect from the Storms of Life. This is an eight-week study. It has uh, video insights. It has uh, presentations from a actual youth retreat with junior high and high school students. These kids are going to learn about how their faith can help them fight back the stress that they're living with every day at school. Check it out on iShineLive.com.